Do you agree that, you know, it's time that we all wake up and take responsibility, even for our ancestors that did not know any better? been waiting patiently to have this kind of conversation. <laughs> well, it's Wake Up With KC, and today I have a very inspirational interview with a beautiful uh, being that, who is a veteran and an actor, and his inspirational story and his life experience and you know what sparked his passion in the film industry please welcome michael lloyd michael welcome hi thank you so much for having me uh it's such an honor and pleasure to me like like people like you that you have a very inspirational and transformational life experience in discovering your passion you know how did this all begin can you share with the audience you know one who you are and a little bit about yourself yeah absolutely so i grew up in tucson arizona um my i i let me start over i grew up in tucson arizona i grew up with um you know an entrepreneur for a mom who traveled a lot. And so I grew up in a sales type environment and stuff like that. And I actually started working at 15 years old, uh, doing sales at kiosks and malls, uh, doing the family business. And in high school, I started acting. It was my freshman year. I, I did my first play, which was a school rendition of the little rascals. And I played alfalfa. Um, <laughs> Alpha. Yeah. Did you have that little thing that stuck up? Yeah, we did. We made the hair stick up and everything with the gel, and it was fun. I really enjoyed it. I had a lot, a, a really good time, and it made me feel, you know, kind of like at home a little bit, and it felt comfortable. Um, oddly enough, and I know that a lot of people get like stage fright and stuff like that, but for some reason, it just it never terrified me. I never had that fear, and. Then I joined the military um, after high school, and I only did that because the military was a passion of mine long before acting ever was. Um, you know, I wanted to be a pilot longer than I can remember. And at 17, with my parents' permission, you know, my mom was in the Navy, my grandmother was in the Air Force, and I have a whole long lineage of family that's in the military, so I had their full support in doing so. And I went down to the recruiting station. I was originally going to join the Air Force, but I ended up joining the Marine Corps instead. And it was by happenstance. I didn't even know much about the Marine Corps at the time when I enlisted either. I, you know, had, did my research, found out, you know, what they were about. And I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to handle it. Um, I didn't have a whole lot of confidence in myself, but I, I remember saying to myself, you know, screw it, go big or go home. So... I ended up joining the Marine Corps, uh, served four years as a tank crewman with 2nd Tank Battalion, 2nd Marine Division. I was stationed in Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. Um, and I got out in 2013 
uh, on a medical discharge. Uh, I wanted to, you know, have it be my lifelong career, but I guess, you know, the universe had other plans. So I ended up being medically discharged and I couldn't continue my service, unfortunately. And so I went back home and, you know, I didn't know where else to go. And my dad was here. My brother and sister are here. Uh, my friends are here. So and it was what I was comfortable with. And it never occurred to me, you know, the possibility of living anywhere else. But my mom had been living in New Orleans for quite some time. And I remember one night after about a year uh, from my discharge date, I was talking with my mom one night and I was, you know, having like a, a really bad time because I was dealing with customers. You know, you go and you do this thing that's super meaningful and has like purpose and gives you purpose and everything like that to turn around and go and do a customer service sales job. It you know, again, not to diminish anybody that works in customer service or sales, but for me, it felt like a step down. Uh, you know, I went from serving my country to listening to people complain about why their bill was so high and me having to sell them. Well, it's because you need to stop renting pay-per-view. So um, I got tired of it. It was bored. It was mundane. And so my mom said, hey, come out to New Orleans. It's considered like Hollywood South out here. It's got like own designation that's how much filming is done and there was a guy that could get me into security uh you know that hires veterans and law enforcement so that's what i did i you know said screw it let's take a shot and i packed everything in my car drove across country and you know crashed on my mom's couch for a little while uh got the job with security and i started working security on film and tv sets and then I started doing background. And the very first background role I got was on this Netflix production called Zoo. And this was only about a month or so after moving to New Orleans. And having it happen that fast uh, and having it be legit because, you know, I've, I've seen you see those scams where, you know, they say, hey, we're casting for this. And then it ends up being porn or something. Um <laughs> And so I had to watch out for that. And so when I found out that this was legit and have it happen so fast, I was uh, astonished. Uh, you know, it was unbelievable to me that it could be so easy to achieve, that it was that attainable. And I was kind of kicking myself in the head for not, you know, jumping on this sooner. And after that, I just started booking a whole bunch of stuff on NCIS New Orleans, Into the Badlands, Screen Queens. And, uh, you know, I just recently got featured on uh, Queen of the South as uh, a non-speaking character, which is my first feature so far. Wow. You know, you talk about how things happen so fast within a month. You know, listening to, you know, high school. You loved being this play. I think that was the spark of a connection to part of your purpose and destiny and mm -hmm. something that you really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. We, Looking back at that now, would you say, like you said something, the universe had other plans? Well, this is part of the plan and everything has to line up in divine timing to bring you back. So when that first spark, that first passion arose in something that felt right, felt good kind of thing, would you right. agree? Right. Yeah. And, you know, it, it may 
seem like um you know far-fetched or like you can't do it or or something like that and you know you have those doubts i have those doubts uh you know from time to time like is this really what i'm supposed to be doing with my life but then you know i get on set and i do it and i'm like yeah i remember yeah this is definitely what i'm supposed to be doing and then there's like connecting the puzzles like the pieces to the puzzles to your unique journey in life why you came here right then you, you gained more skills more opportunities came and that's like synchronicities to me right and i look around how other people even including myself you know i'm 53 young hmm. and looking back you know when i was in high school i had no clue what i wanted to do right like most of my friends you know the guys they went right on into the service they were mm. you know are going into the to the police or army air force navy you name it they most of them went to that and then the girls nursing or becoming a lawyer or something so and i'm looking at you know looking back now i was like i really had no clue i really didn't nothing except for dancing and music that was the only thing that i really loved but who doesn't love music and dancing hello right um but i didn't know if that was my purpose you know and one of the beliefs that i had was go to school get good grades get a good job all right and now that I know and realize now that's just a belief system. That's a program that's been passed down from generation to generation. And, you know, thank God for your mom, because she's like, hey, come over here and whatnot. Then it's like everything real aligning itself to where you started tapping into those synchronicities and to do everything that you're doing now you know what have you what wisdom did you gain from that experience um that's a great question and i i guess one of the, some things that i've learned about myself through this process and through this journey is learning how to be patient uh, you know, and also learning how to make opportunities for yourself as well, because it's one thing to manifest your destiny, you know, and I think when a lot of people think of manifesting your destiny or manifestation in general, that it's like the same thing as prayer. You know, it's not the universe isn't Santa Claus. You can't just pray or wish upon a star and then it's just going to magically fall into your lap. No, there is still some effort needed on our part uh as you know beings within the universe to work in balance and make that happen for ourselves so what i mean by that is putting yourselves in positions for those opportunities to open up like if you're wanting to get into a certain industry or, or anything like that you know like say for example the music industry uh, you know, you want to get into the music industry, where are you going to put yourself? You're going to put yourself in some of the places where a lot of the studios are, you know, like L.A., New York, you know, or or wherever and do what you got to do to make that happen. Like, for for example, like myself, 
I am working a part-time job as security uh, still. And I, you know, I cut back my hours recently because my schedule was getting too crazy, but I'm making my main focus acting, but that part-time job helps me stay afloat. Um, you know, and I'm being realistic with my goals. Uh, so keeping that, you know, keeping yourself grounded, I think during these, these types of journeys is, is really important because it's very easy to let your head drift off into the clouds and, and lose sight of, you know, who you are or even what you're doing. Well, would you, would it be safe to say, Michael, that sometimes, you know, our thoughts and our beliefs get in the way of, yeah, you get that idea. Oh, I like to do this and, you know, become this person, but then you have programmings and limited beliefs that sort of also get in the way. So I think, I, I think I know what you're referring to, like thinking uh, yourself as one way and wanting to be another kind of, kind of thing. Am I right? That too. But what about your confidence and your, you know, self, um, self-esteem? Well, yeah, our self-belief. Self-belief. So we sabotage. We do. I think I think everybody does experience that at, at some point in some, you know, form or another in one area of life or another, you know, whether it be their career or their relationships, you know, they they start getting successful and then they start, you know, things start going great. And then they're like, uh, I'm going to screw this up. I'm going to screw this up. And you keep thinking that it's it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. So, yeah, you, we can sabotage ourselves. And sometimes you we we have to you know take a step back and it's that's why it's important to take self-help days or self-health days i should say um where you know you're you're just you're reflecting and you're appreciating yourself and you know you're recognizing the talents that you have and the kind of person that you are and just remembering that and remembering, you know, what you're going for. And, and that's ultimately what's really the most important because, you know, nobody else is going to be living the life that you live. You're the one that ends up having to live and die by the consequences of your actions. So it's, it, you know, if you're going to get into something like acting or, you know, entertainment or anything like that, uh, it is important to have a certain level of self-confidence because it is easy to sabotage yourself for these things. Like, for example, Flacco, I almost slept on Flacco. I almost didn't didn't go for that because I remember getting the email for the casting call. And, and again, Flacco was my most recent non-speaking role that I got on Queen of the South season five. Um, and it was so far my proudest achievement, um, you know, in my career. Um, until I get a speaking role, but I, I almost slept on that role. I got the email saying that they were looking for a tall, skinny, uh, you know, Sicario looking kind of guy. Um, I'm Italian descendant, so I can pass as Hispanic or Latino. I've been mistaken for it in the past. <laughs> um, and I, 
but I, you know, didn't think I was really going to fit the part or anything. You know, they're looking for like a big, scary, scary dude or, or whatever. And I'm not that kind of guy. And then, you know, I got the availability request, you know, for me specifically, because the way that it works is it works based off of the features that they're looking for in the character. Mm -hmm. So matching that through their algorithm, they send the availability request to the actor. And I got it. I'm like, mm, I don't know. And then I responded the next day and I said, screw it. And I sent in my info. And that's when it turned into an audition, which is when I learned it was a non-speaking role. And then that's when I almost got lines for the part, but the writers ended up deciding against it. So there are some things that are that were outside of my control. But ultimately, that doubt, I almost sabotaged. If I let that doubt run me like that i i would not be flacco you know and there would be some other guy that might be here talking to you right now you know because that's kind of like the role that that got me recognized by by my publicist so you know yeah it's easy to sabotage ourselves when things get good and you know because we might think we don't deserve it or something you know, I know that I sometimes fall into that negative pattern of thought where I think, oh, I don't deserve this because I haven't paid my dues or, or, or whatever. And then I have to remember that, you know, not everybody's dues are the same, you know, and in this specific industry, it really is about who you know and not what you know. And that's one thing, you know, you can't compare this type of work to anything else in you know, the civilian career field, because everywhere else you go, it's about what you know, you know, are you knowledgeable in your job? Are you, you know, um, competent and in, in doing what needs to be done, you know, like in a war warehouse or a sales job or something like that. And that's how you move up is by showing your competence and, and what you know, but in reality, for entertainment is who you know. And so that's, you know, so you can't compare your troubles or, or disparities or anything like that with other people. And so that's something that we also have to watch out for and, and you know, try, try to, I guess, be more compassionate to ourselves and figure out why we're more compassionate to others or empathetic to others than we are to ourselves. Well, you know, I've been in, in the film industry as well. started my own film production company, went to film school, mm -hmm. went to broadcasting school. I thought I was going into radio, but I wind up loving editing in, in the film. I'm like, wow, this is another form of art. Mm -hmm. I could create things in a digital aspect. So I got excited about that. And I started my own film, film production company, but then went through a divorce and, you know, how to put it back on the back burner. And I always dreamed about when I first, and I was in my forties when all this started happening. Mm. So I was like, wow, I really like this. You know, and I started learning and I'm a visual hands-on learner. So whatever I could do to like learn more about lighting, learn more about the camera, the settings, things like that. Oh, what about audio? Making sure the audio is good. So I learned different aspects, you know, between TV, you know, the behind the scenes and even in the film and in the movie industry, I have so much now more respect for those that work behind the scenes because they're mm. the ones that are helping make that masterpiece. It's just right. it's not just the director or the producer. It's also the writer. Mm -hmm. And 
so many things. So when I was doing that, I learned a little bit of everything. So I gained the basic understanding of how things work. And I encourage anybody that wants to do that, go in all the way of when you're doing, like you just went through Flacco. Well, I would have gotten to know the writer. I would have gotten to know the director. Hey, is there anything that I'd like to learn? You know, if you can look at it in that perspective, like every little thing is an opportunity to learn and get better and be better than your last project. Be better than the last acting gig that you did. That's how you evolve and gain more knowledge and wisdom in my understanding based on what I've learned along down the road. And now look at me. I'm back into podcasting and streaming (laughs) talk show. (laughs) So I see the connection and there's so much even more that I'm doing that, you know, a lot of people don't realize what I'm doing behind the scenes, getting ready. You know, I'm a one man show. So there's a lot. I'm like back into doing everything. (laughs) Right. So it's, and you mentioned something earlier about, you know, um, the self-doubt, having confidence. And I would go into also limited beliefs that we create ourselves through our self-talk and from family members, friends, even societies create beliefs in possibly hindering us. So what have you learned based on that, the limited police in comparison to what you created and what you've also heard growing up? Uh, well, so a lot of the limited beliefs I ended up having in my life were self-created um, through negative environments because you know in in school i didn't i was not the popular kid you know i wasn't the kid that everybody wanted to sit with at lunch you know i wasn't the kid that everybody picked first for basketball or you know anything like that welcome to the club right so i wasn't you know i was the drama kid and um i did try you know put myself out there i did enjoy sports like soccer and i was good at soccer and i was good at I wasn't that good at football. I tried I tried playing football, but I ended up throwing my back out like halfway through the season because they ended up putting me against guys that were like twice my size at that time. And I'm like, why would you do this? You were deliberately trying to kill me at this point. Um, and so so, yeah, I because of that, I had a lot of negative experiences with with my peers and their opinions of me because, you know, I just I just wanted friends. I wanted to be like so badly just so that I could just have friends, you know, that their opinions mattered. And, you know, my parents just couldn't understand it or anything like that. And they also couldn't understand what type of bullying I was going through because every time I try to explain it to them, they're all like, oh, they're just messing with you. I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't think it's a joke when they start calling you a faggot. You know, I don't think it's a joke when they start using derogatory, you know, uh, names like that are so bigoted and terrible. And it's like, and, and I was 
and I'm straight. So it's like they were wrong too about all of it. And so, so a lot of the self-doubt was, I think, you know, created from that. That was a byproduct of, of my environment for sure. But that doesn't mean that I don't have a responsibility to myself to combat that. Meaning that even though I, I went through all that, that doesn't mean that I should just, you know, lay over and play victim and say, oh, well, I have no confidence in myself because of so-and-so or, or whatever. It's like, no, 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 you don't have any confidence in yourself because of you. And what they said validated that negative talk that you give yourself. And that's what's being fed right now. And what you need to do is you need to cut that shit out and move over to the positive talk and remember who you really are. And remember that at the end of the day, you try your best to learn and grow. And we also have to keep in mind, I think a lot of people expect uh, people to just know things, but no one is born intelligent. No one is born with knowledge. We all have to learn things, you know, and we're constantly learning all the time. All the time we're learning. And so as long as we remember that we're learning and we keep trying to learn, mm -hmm. then we're putting our best forth, foot, best effort forward, our best foot forward. Right. And, you know, even from, you know, the time I started school, I was bullied. I was made, I, I stuck out like a sore thumb. I was the only redhead. Hello. <laughs> and when I got into high school, I saw a few more redheads. So I was like, wow. I'm not the only one. Mm. There's another redhead. Okay. But still, I always felt out of place. I, and you said earlier, you just wanted to make friends and your parents like, oh, they're joking around. Mine was, well, if they're not worth being your friend, if they're going to behave that way. Mm. But they didn't understand, you know, the bullying aspect of how bad it got for me. And they're just like, shake it off, you know, turn your cheek the other way. They don't know any better. I'm like, well, that doesn't make it right. Sure. You know, I think, you know, from, from what I've learned is like, I couldn't understand why people would be so cool to one another, especially being brought up in the Southern Baptist religion. It's, oh, God loves all his children. We're supposed to love one another and treat others the way you want to be treated. Mm -hmm. But I was seeing and experiencing the total opposite. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't understand, like, well, if I'm being nice to you, I expect you to be nice to me. Right. And I think a lot of people need to I, I think a lot of people need to expunge that idea I think that we grew up I think a lot of people grow up with the wrong idea of how the world works I know that I definitely did because mm -hmm. of the household that I grew up in my parents tried to shelter me instead of teaching me how the world works and the reality is is that this world owes you nothing this world does not owe you kindness. This world does not owe you compassion. This world does not owe you empathy. No one does. Ultimately, the only person that owes you anything is you. You owe it to yourself to take care of yourself and surround yourself by people who are not going to 
negatively affect that mindset and that lifestyle that you want to live. And I think that if more people, if I learned, I, one thing I wish I learned growing up is that people suck and people are going to be mean to you. You know, they're going to find reasons to, they're going to find things that they can pick on and for some reason gives them a kick and makes them feel better. Well, um, let me enlighten you on that. This is what I've learned. We're all connected. We're all spiritual beings, sexual beings instead of a human being. And a lot of times when we're experiencing that negative or that person that's not treating us right, they're reflecting what's truly going on internally and projecting it out on us. And we're doing vice versa. Right. Exactly. It's a reflection of who they are. And the thing that's sad is people live in the past each and every day. And me being a history geek and what I realized, like I call it God realization. I'm learning this from Dr. Wayne Dwyer. God realization. It's when I realized like, oh, I experienced that too. And this person is ex apparently has experienced the same thing, but hasn't overcome it yet. Ha hasn't healed. Hasn't been enlightened to be set free from that bondage that and the emotional energetic traumas. And it, it's like, why can't we all wake up and realize that we're all connected? When we do harm to another person, we're doing harm to our own selves. Right. I don't know. I think um, I think everyone will come into their realization on their own, just like I did. I mean, mm -hmm. just like you have and everybody else does eventually. And, you know, it's it's the cycle. It's the endless cycle. This is how it will be until this world burns, <laughs> you know. I don't think it's going to uh, burn, but there's like a an energy shift. And, and an enlightenment on a collective base. And in order for that to happen, all the chaos has to come through. It's been repeated in history time and time and time and time and time again, even from the beginning of our creation. Right. And the way we were taught that we were created is, to be honest, is all bullshit story based on what we were told. So that... I realized that, well, that's a lie and that's like a, a false identity of who we are then. And we've which, been living a lie of who we are. Which part of it? Oh, Adam and Eve. Ah, yes. That lovely story. Yeah, that story <laughs> always... I, I, grew up, story. I, I grew up Protestant Christian, right? And, um, you know... As a, as a child, as a toddler, you know, you're always told 
you just you just believe whatever your parents tell you. You know, they tell you Santa Claus comes, gives you gifts. You know, you believe, oh, a fat man comes down the chimney and gives me gifts. And you don't question anything about it because he's bringing you a present, even though there's a strange man in your house, you know, like that you don't know that you've never met or anything like that. But it's OK that he's there, but no other stranger is allowed to enter this home without permission. You know, you know, when you think about these things, looking back, it's just like, why? <laughs> well, not only that, but what if you didn't have a house with a chimney? I asked that question. I'm like, I see all these shows. They Santa Claus is coming down from the chimney. We don't have one. I love that movie Santa Claus, though, with Tim Allen, because it kind of answered that question a little bit. It just magically turned the furnace into a fireplace. Yes, with Tim Allen. I love that show. I love watching it sometimes around Christmas time. And yeah. my other one was Home Alone. <laughs> yeah, it's my dad's favorite. It's my dad's go-to for sure. Detective Balzac. <laughs> but, yeah, no, everybody will come into their awakening on their own. And, you know, this cycle will repeat itself over and over until the end of days. Well, and, it, you know, being in, in filming, you know, this is what I've realized that, you know, what we think and what we feel and what we do can cause a domino effect so i know that you know i love watching documentaries especially history documentaries um alexander the great you know even the wars it sort of gave me more insight of the possibility yes there's some events that were true but get then again we got hollywood and you know, they like to be creative, create a narrative. There's the plots and all this. So I try to discern what is actually happened. But the violence and just the, the mindset of creating more hatred, more violence and whatnot. To me, it's like you're, we're still putting that negative energy out there. And what are your thoughts about that? Um, I, I mean, Newton's third law states that every action has an equal and opposite reaction. So every action that we take will have an equal or opposite reaction in, within the universe. And that I think everybody should be mindful of the actions that they take because the consequences, good or bad, uh, are going to come with those actions and we need to be prepared to accept responsibility or, or accept those consequences uh, for those actions. And uh, that I'm impressed that you even came up with that and mentioned that. <laughs> How, oh, now I see it comes back to me. And I've also seen in movies things that were revealed back in the, the 60s, the 70s, and the 80s are now actually, now it's like it was a prophetic. Yeah, so I, I know what you mean, like how there are some, some films that have had, you know, like Back to the Future, right? Everybody was waiting in 2015. You know, when Marty McFly goes into the future, we're all supposed to get our flying cars and, you know, 3D Jaws and, and you know, all that great stuff. 
um, you know, in prophetic film like that, it's very ironic um, to me, very creepy a little bit on on a level i'm like that's a little little terrifying that it kind of predicted that you know i mean what is it the simpsons everybody always talks about how the simpsons basically predict everything and oh, that, the, a yank what was it one baseball team won a series yeah and then, like, three years later they actually won and then right you know, the, the, uh, the donald trump presidency they've 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 they've, they've predicted accidentally predicted quite a few uh historical events which is very interesting to me um but when it comes to the mystical like like predicting futures and clairvoyance and and stuff like that i'm a skeptic because there's always an explanation for something you know i i don't believe that these productions hold or um what's the word that i want to use i can't think of it right now but Hold there's a connection with clavarence to see it. It, it from my understanding i mean come on let's let's stargate uh star wars star trek i mean these were tvs and then there was films and technology of you know and space and all of the to me, it's connecting the dots. They're revealing. They already knew about this stuff. Come on, Nikola Tesla. He had so many ideas about energy, free energy for everybody around the world. He got suppressed and probably, I don't know if he was murdered or actually died in his old age because he was 80-something back in those days. But it's fascinating to me you know, being intuitive and being psychic and tuning in to all the C's, clairvoyance, clairaudience, clair, all those clairs, I tap into pieces of that. And it's when you can say, okay, I'm going to observe and I want to know the truth and I seek wisdom because we're connected to a divine source, a higher power that's in us. So I just go to that source and say, okay, what, what's up with this? Especially when it comes to movies and things that catch my eye, or I hear a certain word that catches, like I'll get electricity running through my body when I see and hear it. So I pay attention. And I was like, wow. And it would like take me back a time. Oh, this was here back in this film with this person and whatnot do you find yourself doing the same thing no because the way that i think of it as an entertainer because entertainment is my profession and all these people who have made these predictions have had a profession in entertainment it seems to me or appears to me as an ongoing joke in the industry you know um i don't i don't believe that anybody actually uh it, holds the ability to have any type of clairvoyance or audience or anything like that i i believe when it comes to like ghosts and paranormal and stuff like that i believe what that is is that that is a uh shift in dimensions for sure i mean i have my own theories about how spirits move and everything and how we're able to see ghosts and and negative energies and everything like that is really just a thinning 
of dimensions that we can't see within the dimensions that we live because there's a whole string theory about it. Like that it's the science behind it that I'm really all about. And there's like really interesting explanations to it scientifically as to why people are experiencing these um, bizarre abilities, you know, like, uh, you know, the, the clairvoyance, like seeing the future, like getting visions or, you know, hearing um, disembodied voices or, or anything like that. It's it's very there's, you know, books all over it. But I like I like looking into those types of theories and stuff like that. But I mean, my the, the way I see the universe is it's just it's a universe in which we live. We are organisms in which we live in a universe and that we don't understand. And I believe that there are definitely things that we don't understand. I mean, I don't understand a lot of them. Um, but I definitely believe that it's the same kind of concept as when people used to think that, you know, the rain came only when, you know, they performed a, a certain, uh, sacrifice or spirit or spiritual, um, ceremony, you know, or they wouldn't receive crops unless they sacrificed a firstborn or something like that. You know, it's like that kind of mentality. It's like, they didn't understand why these things were happening or not happening and they were basically guessing or uh believing blindly in some form of deity or spirit that was controlling these things and everything and eventually obviously science being the way that it is now we've learned over time through the scientific method what these things actually are and i think that we're just in a different stage of that scientific method where we just haven't quite and we don't have the technology yet to be able to figure out what these things are exactly. Okay. So I, 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 <laughs> I love having kind of these kind of conversations, but let me ask you something. Have you ever studied ancient civilization? I've, I've briefly studied on like e ancient Egypt. Yes. Okay. Uh, let's go back to Sumerian over okay. in the far East. Okay. Cuneiform writings that were written on tablets and stones. Now, and then there's crop dusting. There's these, all these drawings, even from the Egypt pyramids, there's actually six other pyramids, the Mayans. Then there's pyramids in Russia. There's pyramids in Asia. There's pyramids and then the stone hinges and whatnot. There's very symbolic meanings and they're all connected to the stars so it's more than just science because how did we get our science it goes back to our ancient civilizations from anunnaki there's so much about the anunnaki and i believe there's others besides the anunnaki well don't get me wrong i am not past the idea of aliens in fact i do i do believe that extraterrestrials exist i believe it would be arrogant for anyone to believe that within this vast universe or even galaxy for that matter because the galaxy is a lot bigger than a lot of people realize that within the galaxy alone that there are certainly other life forms that exist out there that may be very far more advanced than we are given the lifespan of the galaxy and with that being said, it would not, I, I do not denote the theory that, you know, aliens or extraterrestrial beings or anything like that have, have come here to share their science, their art and, and show, you know, what, what it means to be a civilization and everything. Um, it's also possible 
to me, uh, again, this is how my dark humor works is that they're just uber dicks and like to screw with other beings because I would be one of those people. I would be one of, if I, if I had the opportunity to go to another civilization or another planet or anything like that, yes, I, you bet your ass I'm going to screw with them and be like, yes, I am a God. You better worship me or else it's not going to rain kind of thing, you know, but that's just a little, little joke of mine, uh, you know, that I keep in the back of my head i would think that that's a possible that that would have happened at one point that there was just this one asshole alien that was you know screwing it up for the rest of them kind of thing um well, if from my understanding what i've been i'm still researching i'm still studying and there's like new data and information that i've come across that i'm like ooh, and i'm gonna get ready to reveal that later on uh in my new season that i'm working on but it's funny that they came from the skies. They they, they created human beings. I, well, that's that's one theory I've heard. Yes. And, um, and it makes sense now from my studies and research and what I've come across. It just totally makes more sense than the uh, autumn and Eve. Everything that's in the Bible was very symbolic. And it was telling a narrative and an allegory to a story that was created by man. They took bits and pieces of truth and twisted it to make this story. And it, it just mind boggling and fascinating to me. I was like, wow, this is interesting. This makes more sense than what I've been taught. Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen those theories. Uh, they're pretty wild uh, for me. Um, there's actually data that's been written by the Sumerians. And there's Assyrians. Now, the Assyrians were the more violent ones from my understanding. And they were big. And they created us to be slaves at the beginning, the Anunnaki, for, for primitive workers because they needed the resources, the gold. That's it's it's very interesting. It's a, again a very interesting theory. It's still a theory, even if there is data from civilizations again who were writing in dead languages that we are barely able to uh, translate. So who knows? And also, again, this is part of me being fair. That if I'm going to sit here and criticize the Bible for being written by man, you know, writing a prophecy or writing a moral story or, you know, instruction from God that I never see or hear. And if I'm going to sit here and criticize that, then I also have to think critically of, of this as well, because of a civilization that is writing in a dead language that we aren't able to translate humans make mistakes and because there isn't anyone around to verify yeah this is definitely what it says it could very well we could be reading it completely wrong and it could be like instructions on how to build a toilet we don't know so um i don't denote any of those theories i think they're all very interesting and i again i'm not you know, uh, I, I do believe that there are extraterrestrial beings that exist within the galaxy. Uh, but 
yeah, I mean, I, it, I I think that everything eventually will will be explained to us in in due time. Wow, and uh, I but hey, I encourage you know everybody, you know, that, um, I know of George Smith who translated one of the um, they called it the flood tablets that's mm -hmm. in Sumerian that's on a tablet. And it's in a cuneiform. He actually studied and was able to translate. And I know there's other people from way back in the 1800s and the early 1900s that it sparked their passion. So they traveled, you know, the archaeologists. And it was just connecting synchronicities, meeting the right people to be able to get to the person that could really look into it and it's it's still fascinating to me and i'm getting bits and pieces and you know finding what makes sense yeah i mean i think that's what everybody's doing is just you know piecing together what makes sense as we go along i mean i'm kind of doing the same thing and i i look back and i'm like what in the hell were they thinking <laughs> Yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I believed that. That's so ridiculous now. Yeah. <laughs> but thank God I'm awake. You know. Yeah. I think back. I, yeah, I, I cringe a little bit when I think about some of the things I used to believe for sure. Oh my gosh. So, what are you doing now? Like, what what are your goals or any coming upcoming things that? you're you're tapping into and getting involved in uh so right now i'm currently looking out uh for auditions i'm i'm auditioning for speaking roles um you know submitting myself as much as i possibly can um i haven't heard back on anything yet but i'm definitely putting stuff out there for sure and i'm hoping to book something uh something big soon um and anybody that wants to follow, you know, can follow me on my uh, Instagram, you know, for behind the scenes uh, pics of myself on set. I do have a Facebook fan page, uh, Michael Lloyd fans. Um, and you can follow me on there as well for, for more updates on, you know, things that I'll be doing. Uh, I do have TikTok and Twitter and you can find all those things um, on, on those other social medias that I just mentioned uh tagged as well so that you can uh, follow me on any platform that you wish oh wow awesome and you know what are are you open to like any kind of roles or like what kind of roles would you like to play because i like for you to be in a sci-fi honestly uh sci-fi would be really cool i mean i grew up on star wars i would love to be on a star wars film i mean even if it was just like a stormtrooper number two or like one of the aliens you know you wouldn't even see my face like simon Pegg or daniel craig who you know made made guest appearances on that series but you wouldn't know because they're in a full dressed uh costume like even if i like meet it as one of those i would i would be you know ecstatic and i could die happy but um yeah sci-fi i think would be really cool uh action is also fun uh, comedy is definitely uh right there for me i mean i'm i'm down for pretty much just about anything oh wow i would love to see you in a sci-fi movie to like just to go through that experience and i would just had 
Laura Banks on my show. Oh, and wow. She was in the Star Trek, The Wrath of Khan. Yeah. With Ricardo. Oh, I, can't, I have a hard time pronouncing his last name. Montalbum. Montalbum. Uh, and I loved him. Yeah. And she talks about what what a gentle soul he was and very gentleman. And he's still that way. That's awesome. And I'm like, I remember him on Fantasy Island. The plane, the plane. <laughs> um, <laughs> but she's also spiritual as well. She studies astrology and she'll go through your chart, you know, and that's her, her passion. But she, yeah being in the sci-fi and that was one she was the one of the female lead roles in and back in those times they hardly ever got those kind of roles yeah it wasn't it wasn't uh very uh popular or very common then for for that type of thing for sure yeah we've definitely come a long way in our inclusion in in the film industry for sure absolutely and i've learned some history about and I encourage anybody to look up the history of the movie industry, how it began, who is in, you know, big time corporations that were connected to that and how, you know, children and women, you know, were treated. And, you know, we have come a long way, but we still have a lot more to go. <laughs> right. And, yeah, I mean, film actually even started out as uh, propaganda. It was before it was used for entertainment. It was used for propaganda. Um, the very first film that was ever made three seconds long. And it's the actually, do you even know how they discovered film? How they discovered moving pictures? It was black and white and there was no it was just you heard music. So and here's black and white. Um, Harry Chaplin. I remember him going. Dee, 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 yeah. So those were no music and it was all quiet and nobody said anything. So those those are silent film. That's how films started. And, you know, moving pictures, motion pictures. And the way film was born was actually when Leland Stanford, the same guy that found Stanford University in California, uh, made a bet with his colleagues. Um, he, he liked to race and breed horses, and he made a bet with his colleagues that a horse's feet uh, leaves the ground entirely during a full gallop, but his you know friends and other academics disagreed, saying that at least one foot had to be on the ground at all times. So he went and hired Edward Muybridge, who was a famous photographer of his time, um, to you know set up a rig to you know capture this and and see what they could find so he set up 12 cameras hence why we you know uh, how why film started at 12 frames and how we have 24 frames per second now um set up 12 cameras in a row on a racetrack all connected with trip wires and as this horse would run through these trip wires it would trigger the camera's shutter capturing the horse in the full gallop and, you know, uh, thus proving that the horse's feet does, you know, completely leave the ground during a full gallop. And that's that um, you'll see it a lot. And, you know, a lot of people have it in art. It's the 12 frames of the horse in the full gallop. That's the first movie that was ever made. Wow. I'm impressed. I didn't even know that. Thank you, Michael, for sharing. There's what? your there's your fun uh, film film fact. Wow. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. I had no clue. 
Well, I wish you the best of success, Michael. And thank you for joining us today. And I look forward to, you know, having you back on the show to give us an update what you've been doing and accomplishing and, you know, continuing your learning and expanding and growing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was a pleasure being here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, there you go. Oh, my God. I never knew that tell movies were actually uh, created. Wow, the things you learn every day. I'm learning something new. How about you? Stay tuned for another episode right here on Wake Up with KC. I look forward to sharing more wonderful and amazing interviews with wonderful and amazing guests.